I'm Michael R. Malley, and this is Fresh Green Blessings, reading the Judeo-Christian Bible through a Buddhist lens with Mother Earth eyes. Welcome once again to Fresh Green Blessings. And I'm Michael R. Malley. And I'm Ollie Ren Erickson Malley. And today on Fresh Green Blessings, we have a, a short reading from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew. And we'll be talking about beneficial thinking. We'll be talking about what lies in our hearts and the relationship between our thoughts, our words, and our actions. Ollie will have the reading from Matthew for us. I'll then read my reflection. That's also a blog post if you want to follow along. We'll then have a Dharma talk, a mindful reflection, a guided meditation, if you will. And then Ollie will close with some final thoughts, some final words. As always, we have the Tibetan singing bowl the mindfulness bell, an invitation in this moment, right now, to be present and to enjoy the sound of the bell. Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 and 28. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Each deed performed, however secretly, leaves its impression somewhere. Our lives unfold and unfold at a number of different levels. We have our public personas, our private lives, and our secret selves. Those with whom we are most intimate dwell with us in our private worlds. They see our faults and shortcomings. They know that we often fail to live up to the images that we project. The people we hope to be seen as in the world. Those who are privy to our private selves may witness some of our struggles, but they also see our complexities, our depths, our efforts. Those with whom we are most intimate may also be more aware of the hidden goodness, the kindnesses, the little unselfish gestures that weave through our days. I had a friend that committed armed robbery and didn't make it to his 40th birthday. But I remember the night when we were young men. I was drunk on the floor, and this friend, thinking I was asleep and unbeknownst to anyone else, found a blanket and gently covered me where I lay. Each deed performed, however secretly, leaves its impression somewhere.
Behind our public and private selves lie our secret selves. We may seldom give them voice. They just whisper quietly in our hearts and minds, and sometimes we even suppress that whisper. Here, from the distance of 20 centuries, Jesus calls us out. He challenges us to bring an integrity of awareness to our secret thoughts, just as we bring mindfulness to our words and actions. Our reaction may be inflammatory. How dare anyone attempt to control my thoughts, my thinking? I'll think what I damn well please. Our thoughts, however, inter-are with our words and actions. Our thinking plays an incredible role in shaping our lives, private and public. True, we do not act on every thought, thank goodness. But the words we speak and the actions we take are constantly informed by the springboard of our thinking. As Jesus says, what's in our hearts matters deeply. On the Noble Eightfold Path of Buddhism, one of the eight strands is right thinking. The Buddha says, quote, When there is right thinking and one knows it is right thinking, it is also right view. What is wrong thinking? It is thinking that leads to desire, hatred, and harming. Unquote. From the Discourse on the Great Forty Sutra. Lustful thinking, hateful and violent thoughts, place us on a path that is not beneficial to ourselves or others. But we needn't beat ourselves up over such thoughts. In fact, that would be just more non-beneficial thinking, now aimed at ourselves. The Buddha says something else extraordinary on this topic. When there is wrong thinking and one knows it is wrong thinking, it is already right view. When we bring our integrity and mindful attention to our harmful thinking, we regain the right view. We begin to make our way back to the path of wholeness and healing and benefit for ourselves and all beings. Such thinking brings compassion and kindness back into our hearts. Whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Jesus is essentially teaching the same lesson as the Buddha. He's teaching us to converse with ourselves, to say something to ourselves like, uh, here's those lustful thoughts again, or here's those angry thoughts again, see Matthew 5.22. Come on, you know this thinking is not beneficial. Be mindful. Know that this is not beneficial thinking. Remember that. Know that. Yeah, that's the right view. You're already heading back to the path of wholeness and healing and benefit for yourself and others. And when your thinking grows harmful again, bring your mindfulness back to look at it. Remember what Jesus is saying, that what's in your heart matters. And remember what the Buddha said too, when there is wrong thinking and one knows it is wrong thinking, it is already right for you. You're already heading back to the right road the heart of kindness, the beneficial path. That's it. Be mindful of your heart and your thoughts.
I had a wonderful professor my first year as an undergrad in college at Youngstown State University. His name was Jim Dale. And I remember many things that he said. One of the things I recall is he once shared with us that he knew he had prejudice within him. He knew he had sexist thinking within him. But what he tried to do was to not discriminate in his actions. He tried to not, he, he recognized that thinking as not beneficial thinking, and he was trying to move his actions in new directions. And he drew this distinction between these prejudicial thoughts that seem beyond his control, but choosing to discriminate or not, which for him seemed more within his control, his actions. I appreciated that distinction that he made. But in the years since, I would also push a little further that I think we do have um, maybe more agency over our thinking than we sometimes give ourselves credit for. This doesn't mean that I want to suppress thoughts or I want to push away thoughts, but I can continue, like Professor Dale, to grow in my awareness of my thinking, to be mindful of what I'm thinking. I think that's part of what Jesus is calling for in that Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew here where he's talking about committing adultery in your heart with your lustful thoughts. And it's a challenge. Many of us may be successful at not committing adultery with our actions, but maybe we've been far less successful with the adultery in our hearts. The same with a whole host of things, right? We may have never committed murder in our lives, but we have perhaps come close to committing murder at times with our thoughts. It reminds me a little bit of the evolution that is kind of ongoing for me in terms of feelings. Going back to undergrad years again, I remember in some other class where we had to come up with a number of adjectives to describe ourselves, and one of the ones that I put down was moody. And probably if in terms of that public-private secret self, if you talk privately, in terms of those who know me best, uh, my children, my spouse, my mother, they would all say I'm still moody. But 
I like to think that I have a little bit more agency over that moodiness than I previously thought. That there's a lot of learned behavior in terms of my moodiness, which is, well, the, the analogy I've sometimes used is algebra. You know, if you study algebra, if you have a certain aptitude, you can learn it, you know, given that you have the necessary basics of math that go before that. Many people, most people perhaps, can, can learn algebra, but it takes some amount of work. It takes some amount of study. It takes some amount of practice. I think these same things are true regarding our feelings, regarding our thinking. If I grow in my awareness of my thinking, I can raise up, if you will, the thinking which is most beneficial. Because I'm not inside anyone else's head, but I can say for myself, I have a whole range of thoughts. I have horrific thoughts that I can't imagine any Dharma talk where I'm going to share them. They're part of that secret self. I'm really, I don't want to share those with you. But I sometimes have some pretty dark, gruesome thoughts. I sometimes have some incredibly selfish thoughts. I also, at other times, have thoughts that I'd be glad to share with you. <laughs> th th thoughts that are uplifting. Thoughts that, at least from all appearances, are geared more out towards others um, that are grounded in some of the best ideals that I've encountered. I don't want to suppress the one. I want to be aware of those thoughts that are not helpful. And I want to reflect upon them. And doing that, kind of taking that little step back from just this over-identification with my thoughts is good work for me. You know, people say, like, I, I don't want to become someone I'm not. Well, neither do I. But I'm not just those thoughts. I'm not just these particular feelings. 
They represent a small subset of the full range of who I am. And why not just grow in awareness? And say, oh, here are some angry thoughts again. I've seen these before. Here they are. Here they are running through my head. Here are thoughts of jealousy. Feelings of jealousy. Oh yes, I know them well. They've been in my heart many times. Here are thoughts and feelings that are craving or lustful. Yes, I know these thoughts. One Tibetan teacher says, we have to learn how to be a gracious host to unruly guests. So when thoughts of fear come in, ah, hello fear. Yes, I know you. Would you like a cup of tea? How long are you going to stay? <laughs> There is this something that is a part of me that's able to step back sometimes. To step away. To step back from the thought. To step back from the feeling. And to be mindfully aware of it. And that action in and of itself lessens the power of any particular thought or mood, especially the negative ones. So it's not about me losing myself, it's about me actually not being a victim of my thinking, not being a victim of my emotions. To find that internal locus of control or perhaps there are external forces that assist with that. Maybe the great sacredness, what some might call the Holy Spirit or God, what some might call goodness. That can assist me what some will call mindfulness, what can assist me in growing in awareness so that I can see my thoughts, my feelings, my heart, and what's within so that I can so that I can continue to evolve. I'm going to change. I'm 57 years old this year. I'm different than I was when I was 47. And if I get another 10 years, I'll be quite different at 67. That is automatic. <laughs> Impermanence. Change. 
That's part of what we live within. That's the soup. And there are forces, huge forces outside of ourselves that are beyond our control. But there are also elements, I believe, that we have agency over. And again, we don't need to beat ourselves up when we slip into negative thinking again, when we slip into jealousies, when we slip into fears, when we slip into greeds, when we slip into lusts, when we slip into whatever we slip into. But I think Jesus and the Buddha are giving us this lovely message. Grown awareness. Be mindful of what you're thinking. There's a plane flying overhead. You hear it in the background. Thoughts of irritation come into my mind. I'm so frustrated. I'm trying to give this talk and gosh, we live right along the plane path and da 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 da. I can live at one level of just being those thoughts. But with mindfulness, I can, at least at times, live at another level of being aware of those grumbly thoughts about the sound of the plane. And when I start to grow an awareness of my non-beneficial thinking, I'm already in that moment moving toward what the Buddhists call right view. thinking something and we don't we don't see the helpfulness the healing in that thinking we can say hmm here are these thoughts. I don't think they're helping. I don't think they bring me or anyone else toward wholeness or health. Here are these thoughts. And we can begin to Think of what triggers other thoughts. What, in the words of Thich Nhat Hanh, waters beneficial seeds in us. 
meditation practice, prayer, giving ourselves a few minutes to just enjoy our dogs or our cats. Really noticing something in nature, a particular bird. Maybe reading the Bible or other books that we find sacred. Opening a Thich Nhat Hanh book at random, just reading a page. The Buddha speaks of changing the peg. Think of the days when many things were held together by solid wooden pegs. But sometimes a peg would begin to rot. There's great danger in that, right? Perhaps a whole structure may collapse down upon the people. So you have to get rid of the rotten peg. And so you get a good solid peg and you pound that one in and you pound the other one out. You replace the peg that way. Sometimes difficult emotions or negative thinking we need to sit with them and we need to reflect and see what lies beneath and see what lessons are there. But we need to also understand what is something leading to a release, and one is something a rehearsal. When are we by just stirring up those negative thoughts or emotions, when are we just scratching at the scab where there's some attempted healing, or just scratching at that scab and causing things to bleed again? That's a tough one to figure out. But I think it's a worthy question. I can't answer for anyone else. I just have to try to answer for myself, right? So yeah, sometimes we want to sit with those uncomfortable feelings, those negative thoughts perhaps even, and, and Ask ourselves what's behind them, what's leading to them, what what can we do to uncover? But but really the, the long-term goal with that is to, I think, to let them go and move on and move forward. But sometimes we just need to be the carpenter. Like Jesus changing the peg, 
bring in something solid and good that will hold things together. Bringing in worthy thinking. In one of the mindfulness trainings, Thich Nhat Hanh says, knowing that words can create happiness or suffering, I am committed to speaking truthfully, using words that inspire confidence, joy, and hope. And in this moment, I want to invite myself and I toss it out to you as well. I am committed to thinking truthfully. and bringing to my mind thoughts that inspire confidence, joy, and hope. I think we need such thoughts for our families, for our communities, for justice in this world. Thich Nhat Hanh says, the energy of compassion, <laughs> that's what we need to bring about change. And we most certainly need to bring those thoughts of confidence, joy, and hope to our earth. for the healing of our planet, for the healing of each other, for the healing of ourselves. Don't beat yourself up if the thoughts get negative. Bring your awareness to those thoughts, to that thinking. And the Buddha and Jesus suggest that we're already in the realm of a right and beneficial view. When there's wrong thinking, and one knows that it is wrong thinking, it is already right view, says the Buddha, and applies the Christ. Our thoughts typically precede our words and actions. 
If we want our words and actions to be beneficial, watering worthy seeds in ourselves and others, we must attend to our thinking. It is also said, when there is right thinking and one knows it is right thinking, it is also right view. Our views are skewed and colored by our thinking. Be aware of your thoughts throughout the day. When your thoughts feel agitated or questionable, ask yourself, are these thoughts of desire, hatred, or harming? If so, where do such thoughts lead me? Smile to yourself and say, when there is wrong thinking and one knows that it is wrong thinking, it is already right view. You may even want to memorize that phrase. When there is wrong thinking and one knows that it is wrong thinking, it is already right view. I'm Michael Armalley, and you've been listening to Fresh Green Blessings, where we've been reading the Judeo-Christian Bible through a Buddhist lens with Mother of Eyes.